0: This is the black and blue report presented by ABC insurance agencies, a better choice for insurance now from studio B or wherever the saints or Pelicans might be. Here's Sean Kelly.
1: Hi everybody. Glad you're here. Welcome into a Wednesday edition of the black and blue report on this October the 4th or just in front of Daniel Sallerson's 30th birthday. Yes, indeed. We'll celebrate that this week a little bit. I don't think he knows what to do with number 30. He's shaking his head no. He is here with me, obviously, in Studio B at the Osher Sports Performance Center, where we have a nice show lined up for you today. Sean Fazan from Fox 8 in just a moment to talk about the New Orleans Saints, where things stand here during the bioweek. week Two and two now, the record. There is news. I will touch upon that in a moment. Obviously, the Pelicans uh, have their first preseason game under their belts. They lost last night to the Chicago Bulls at the Smoothie King Center, 113-109. to And uh, there are some uh, positives and some negatives to talk about in that first preseason game. Three more on the schedule. We'll talk about uh, last night's performance with Jim Eichenhofer from Pelicans.com. And we'll also share with you the entire postgame presser uh, from Alvin Gentry outside the Pelicans locker room. You probably heard a sound bite here and there, but I want you to hear the, the entire um, conversation from the head coach, and uh, we'll, of course we'll get you ready for tomorrow night's Alvin Gentry show too. Before we leave you on this Wednesday, okay. The Saints' news: It is a bye week. Unfortunately, there are uh, newsworthy items. Unfortunately, the the injury to Zach Strief is more serious than we uh, we had wanted it to be. He is going on IR. Uh, John Kuhn, obviously on IR now with the torn bicep. So some roster moves. There are reports of. Perhaps John Greco coming into the fold, the former Cleveland Browns lineman. We actually saw him uh, play against the Saints back in the preseason. Uh, I think there's going to be a couple other uh, corresponding moves as well this week for the New Orleans Saints. Uh, and we'll cover that a little bit probably later in the week with our good friend Mike Triplett. But uh, here today on the Black and Blue Report, we kind of get it. Sean Visan's uh, take on things. Here's the, uh, the Saints get a breath after the two-game road trip and the two-game win streak that they find themselves in, uh, in just a quick moment. Uh, But again, the the roster moves, uh, we'll see them unfold this week so they can get set up for next week's game against the Detroit Lions. All right, Jim Eichenhofer still to come, Alvin Gentry still to come. First here, though, in our opening segment of this Wednesday edition of the Black and Blue Report, a visit with... Sean Fazan from Fox 8 Sports. Sean Fazan is one of the uh, preeminent experts on the New Orleans Saints, covering the beat for Fox 8, of course, here in New Orleans. He is uh, a part of our Wednesday Black and Blue Report. He's been with us before, of course, and so with that, we say welcome back. Sean Fazan. good to have you.
2: Man, glad to be here. Thanks for having
1: me. Absolutely. Uh, boy, i tell you what, this conversation is just like we had planned it, huh, Sean? Two and
2: two going into the bye week? You mm-hmm. called it, right? Right. We knew they had to be 2-2, two and, two. And, and I go back to this phrase, it, it is truly a week-to-week existence in the NFL. After that New England game, I mean, there was, I mean, how much panic had set in uh, into, into this entire city because they weren't even competitive in the second half. They, they had the great game against Carolina, and then obviously they pitched a shutout uh, against the Dolphins. And, look, I don't care how bad an offense is. The so NFL today is designed for even the worst offenses to score points, so anytime you get a shutout, Certainly, you take that. Don't apologize for it. Uh, so a little positive momentum for a change as you turn out, as you get kind of move out of this first quarter of the season and into the second quarter. And you know, being two and two versus one and three, is just so much more than just what would indicate just one win. I mean, that one win is just so different, just from a almost a peace of mind standpoint as you move on with the season.
1: Well, if anything at all, you've you've seen the Saints basically reboot their season as a result of the second win in a
2: row. Yeah, that's kind of stabilized things here. And you know, I don't think it's a, it's a, it's a coincidence. I saw the stat on the broadcast on Sunday. Uh, I didn't remember the exact numbers, but basically Sean Payton's recent September struggles versus his October success. I don't think that's a coincidence generally at this point in the season. I think you saw it uh, on Sunday. You, you kind of figure things out. You know who can and who cannot do certain things. Uh, you find your identity a little bit. Um, and then you kind of you kind of get to that next level of your season and you just hope when you do that you have a decent record you're not already in in an early season hole and this year fortunately uh, they're even at two and two nothing to throw a parade over but still uh, much better than where they've been the last couple years.
1: Sean there may be some obvious um, points to your answer overall here but I, I want you to dig deep here for me and let's talk about you know what changed from weeks one and two to weeks three and four. If you were to try and not necessarily make a list, but at least try to identify some of the things that, that made, made the turnaround uh, possible?
2: I think the, the biggest thing you see defensively, you don't see the communication breakdowns in the secondary, which when that happens, catastrophe follows. We saw, I mean, how many busted plays did you see uh, against Minnesota and against New England uh, with wide-open players scoring touchdowns, and uh, obviously it led to a, to a uh, kind of a, a – Demise defensively, but when you have the uh, the improved secondary, the improved, the improved communication, uh, the emergence of Marshawn Lattimore, uh, the emergence of King Crawley, I mean that that personnel move was puzzling to start the season. Now that he's back, it only seems more so. So I think he's he's your guy, um, or at least in, in, in the regular rotation. And I think offensively, it kind of goes to what we said earlier. Um, you know, this offense can be complex, and sometimes it takes you a few games to get, to, to get settled in. I think it takes Sean Payton a little while to figure out who can do what. Uh, I think we're starting to see who is rising to the top of the running back rotation. Uh, I think they've been able to survive uh, what's been a tough uh, go for the first four games with the, with the offensive line. And Drew's still steady. So I think if you add all those factors up and you figure out ways to win, uh, that's, that's why you're 2-2 two and two right now. I think that's been the biggest change, though, is – I think from a, from a, from a pretty tangible defensive standpoint, there's less secondary breakdowns, which you see fewer big plays because of that, and I think it gives yourself a chance to win. And, look, no turnovers as well, and creating takeaways defensively as well.
1: Yeah, something we haven't seen the last couple of years, being on the right side of that equation through uh, even just a quarter of the season as, as, as has been played already. Sean Fazan with us here on the uh, Black and Blue Report. All right, Sean, into the bye week now, and uh, obviously – You've got a, a couple of good quarterbacks still on the horizon here, Matt Stafford, Aaron Rodgers. Uh, yes, the schedule's a little different. I don't find it to be too much easier than what you've already seen the Saints go through. But just as far as storylines in general, as, as this team and, and the media that covers it uh, emerges from the bye week and the jet lag of London, what are the storylines initially that you think have to be discussed?
2: Well, you're confident now. And, you know, that, that old phrase Sean Payton's been saying a lot these last couple of years, confidence comes from demonstrated ability. Well, they've shown they can do it two straight weeks. The key now is consistency, staying at level head, not getting too high off of a couple of wins. Hopefully the bye week will help with that. Uh, you go into the bye week, hopefully come back out, get a little bit healthier, which I think will be key. Um, but, you know, look, there's no such thing as an easy schedule in the NFL. I mean, we, if we were to look at the schedule now versus the beginning of the season, the L.A. Rams look like, look like a tough game. Uh, the Buffalo Bills now look like a tough game. So uh, there's no such thing as an easy schedule in the NFL. You've got to play each week. Uh, as it's the most important game uh, on the schedule. So I, I think from a big picture standpoint, you do have a lot of young faces now. You've, now you have a little bit of success. Can you deal with this success the right way and really emerge in the hierarchy of the NFL? Because let's face it, as good as they've played and they're 2-2 two and two and it's great, they're still in last place in the NFC South, if I'm not mistaken. So you still have to play it out here and Uh, know that this is definitely a marathon not a sprint you feel good right now but there's still a long long way to go
1: no doubt is there a question mark or a worry that you have Sean with this team moving forward
2: I still they've improved in the pass rush I still would like to see a little bit more out of the pass rush I think that could help especially when you talk about some of the uh uh, elite quarterbacks going to face here in the next couple of weeks um you know, I think they figure things out offensively, as I said, with the running back position, uh, and Michael Thomas is still Michael Thomas. Um, and really it's just a matter of staying on, on top of that t- turnover, you know, takeaway-giveaway margin, because uh, I think as we've seen, especially if they produce takeaways and not turn the ball over, uh, it's a winning formula for this, for this organization. So uh, that would be my biggest concern. I, I don't know if they're ever going to be an elite pass rushing team. Hopefully they can stay, uh, get a little more consistent in that regard.
1: All right, very good. Uh, no Saints football this weekend, so what? High school football for you? LSU Florida? What yeah. do you want to
2: do? Yeah, a little bit of everything, right? Uh, LSU Florida. Um, we'll see if I can bounce back. Man, that'll be tough. Uh, in high school football, it's, we're getting into the grind of, uh, of district play. We're already halfway through the high school football season, so uh, it flies by, but it's fun. Ball's in the... Uh Falls in New Orleans are are a fun time for us, so uh, we'll stay busy, no doubt
1: about it. All right, we'll see you on the TV, especially on that Friday night uh, program as you uh, have so many good high school storylines emerging here late in the season. Sean, thanks again, and I appreciate it. I'll be sure to see you next week when the Saints get back to work. Yes, sir. See you soon. All right, Sean Fazan, Fox 8 Sports, here with us on the Black and Blue Report.
2: There are plenty of good reasons to attend the Sanderson Farms Championship, about 150,000 good reasons. Batson Children's Hospital, part of Children's of Mississippi, averages 150,000 patient visits a year. And each year, proceeds from the championship support these patients by donating to Friends of Children's Hospital. Last year, the championship raised over $1 million for friends. So join us for the Sanderson Farms Championship, October 23rd through 29th, at the Country Club of Jackson. Good reason for a great time.
0: 50 years ago, a groovy new golf gig first teed off in Mississippi. The tournament now known as the Sanderson Farms Championship. To celebrate, join us October 23rd through 29th at the Country Club of Jackson for first-class golf, waves of fun, and 100% natural Sanderson Farms chicken. All to raise money for Friends of Children's Hospital. Don't miss this 50th anniversary celebration. Visit sandersonfarmschampionship.com for tickets today. We're talking Pelicans basketball on the Black and Blue Report.
1: We continue on this Wednesday. Alvin Gentry's postgame presser from last night's first preseason game still to come. We welcome into Studio B our good friend Jim Eichenhofer from Pelicans.com. Who had been with us on Tuesdays all last season. Uh, No more on Tuesday because Black and Blue Report is a Monday, Wednesday, Friday affair. So welcome in on a Wednesday. Is this okay, sir?
3: It's, yeah, it's great. It's good to be here. They didn't get rid of the Tuesday show so that they could push me out of the equation, did they? Certainly not. <laughs> oh, that's that's good. No, no. I, I'm sure I'll, I'll – I uh, I definitely will be able to adjust and, and show up on what other days that you guys need me. So. Yes,
1: we'll have David Wesley at some point, Wesley Wednesdays. let will have to come up with a, you know, jumping Jim Friday or something <laughs> like that or – there you uh, go. Monday with Ike or something something like that. Obviously, no throughout the season, you'll want to check out Jim's work at Pelicans.com. He was there last night on a, in a game where we'll not focus on the final score, uh, number one, because the Pelicans lost. Right. But number two, it, it's a preseason game. you got to kind of dig a little deeper here, and that's why I wanted Jim to come in today after watching the first uh, the first run out of this new-look Pelican squad. What would you take away from last night's game?
3: I like the way that DeMarcus Cousins put it after the game where he said, it, it was kind of the perfect way to to start preseason in that there were a lot of good things that they did that showed like, hey, we, when we're, we're clicking and we're doing playing the way we want to play, a, a lot of good things can happen, which was the first half. But then in the second half, when they kind of got away from a lot of the basic stuff that they were trying to do, um, it went the other way. So I thought he framed it really well in, in looking at it in that they could see, even though it's only a preseason game and you're throwing a lot of different lineups out there and the other team is doing the same thing you could kind of somewhat definitively see what works and what 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 doesn't work as far as um this team goes now with you know obviously they have three more preseason games to to work on things and get ready
1: what happened in the third quarter i guess that was the most disappointing to me after being so explosive in the first half
3: i thought the i thought the pace slowed down i'm not sure what the what the factors were behind that if there was some fatigue setting in you know you can play pick up all offseason against each other and it's not the same thing as a game setting it's it's never going to be as much as you try it's never going to be the same intensity um and it's it's obviously not not the same format as far as the timing and the breaks that you get and you know the length of the game so um i wonder a little bit if maybe that was part of it but it just seemed like they kind of ran out of gas as far as energy wise and and how how um how much they were pushing the ball up and down the court and get first quarter was a bunch of runouts and easy baskets and it seemed like everybody was all over the court but um it wasn't definitely wasn't the same brand of basketball in the second half.
1: Yeah, Alvin Gentry had said at least to me before the game. He said, "Hey, my guys are tired. I've worked them really hard. They <laughs> responded to it. As a matter of fact, he's giving them the day off today. Um, as a result, so maybe your 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 theory bodes." Or fits here, I guess, is sure. what I'm saying about you know maybe it was an energy thing, a, a, a out of gas thing in the third quarter.
3: Yeah, and I think we talked, Daniel and I talked about this after the after the game on the post game show last night. That some of it too was just shooting wise, they weren't going to be able to sustain the way they shot the ball in the first half. <laughs> no. And so I mean they shot 70% or something like that. And um, I mean as much as as much as you try to as, as much as you try to play exactly the same way. No matter what the situation is, no matter what the circumstances are, I mean, it's human nature. They're not robots. They, you're gonna play with more energy when the shot, when more shots go in. Um, it was a pretty big drought at the beginning of the third quarter, and it, it felt like that kind of affected everything as far as um, the just how much energy, not just the the players, but the crowd had it. It was it was a, a long stretch of seven or eight minutes I think where they only had three baskets as a team. So that was definitely a rough rough stretch there.
1: Anybody else – let's take away the big four, if you you know, if you will. Mm-hmm.
3: Um, did anybody else kind of jump out at you or disappoint you in some way last I th- night? I thought Etwan Moore has had a really good camp so far. It seemed like he played well during the inter-squad scrimmage the other day. Um, from what I can tell, he's played really well in, in what Alvin Gentry said. He's played well in practices, and he was really good last night. Um, 16 points, four for six on three-pointers. He just seems like he has a lot of confidence in his shot right now. And um, going back to last year, I think he was one of the guys that got off to a slow start. It seemed like across the board, the perimeter, a lot of the perimeter guys didn't shoot well, but then picked it up later as the season went on. So it seems like he's kind of building on that as far as, um, you know, one of the guys that could be not sure whether what exactly his role is going to be. I know they've talked about possibly starting him as small forward, Um But uh, if he does come off the bench, I think the way he played last night is exactly what you hope to get from him all season.
1: Drew Holiday is the off guard. What would you think?
3: I thought he played well. I thought um, one of the more interesting specific aspects of the game was just it was funny how Rondo talked about a couple days ago how he's been the most surprising thing about Drew Holiday has been he's a good cutter off the ball. And he did that two or three times last night where Rondo was kind of surveying the floor from the baseline and Drew just cut to the basket, and it was an easy layup. So it seemed like those two guys did click well together for a lot of the stretches they were on the court.
1: It was It's funny you mentioned Rondo working off the baseline. I mentioned last night, I think, on the radio that I felt like Rajon Rondo and Ricky Rubio are the two guards that work best from under the rim, along that baseline. Yeah. Whereas, you yeah. know like when you watch a Chris Paul, he... Uh, um, he really works the floor well from up high, mm-hmm. and if you spin the floor, sure. you know, and work it from underneath from baseline out toward yep. half court. I, I guess I know I've seen Rondo play a lot, Sure. but it did kind of surprise me a little bit last night that he is so comfortable working from that side of the floor. It,
3: it kind of it's kind of reminiscent a little bit too of Steve Nash, where he would he would drive. Sometimes he would drive all the way through the paint and come out the other side, and the entire time that he was dribbling on the baseline he's looking for guys cutting if there wasn't necessarily someone open he would just he would just keep dribbling almost in a circle in a half circle and um it's 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 a pretty it's kind of a that's an interesting way that you put it but I mean it's kind of the same thing that when you're a point guard if you're at the top of the circle and you can see the whole floor from that spot it's the same thing on the baseline um where you you can see everything and it's it's a it's it's a it's a dangerous spot for defenses to try to defend a point guard who can pass well because it's you have to the angle of everything changes as far as how you have to deny the ball and um, just there's just so many different things that open up when you have a point guard who can who can make passes from that spot. So he he had I think he had eight assists last night and maybe three of them were that same kind of play where he's he's uh just calmly dribbling not playing too fast. Sees a guy cutting, just throws a, a nice drop-off pass, and it's, a, and it's an easy basket.
1: Good call on the Steve Nash reference there. I didn't think yeah. of that. I was just yeah. thinking of active guys, and heck, how do you forget about the Steve Nash-Alvin yeah. Gentry connection there? So, I mean, <laughs> that, that makes total sense. Um, obviously, they're off today. Uh, they'll go back to work tomorrow as a part of a travel day to start that two-game trip, Oklahoma City Friday, and Chicago again on yeah. Sunday. Um, what would you like to see improve? Um, you know, Give me a bullet point or two here as as to what would be observation points for you this weekend. I
3: think the biggest thing in the Oklahoma City game, and uh, granted we don't know exactly how Oklahoma City is going to use their lineup or how many minutes they're going to play their main guys, but defensively based on, for example, how many threes you gave up last night against the Bulls, they had 16, um, and some of the challenges that you had as far as covering the floor, Pelicans have two big guys obviously. They're always going to have two big guys on the court to start games. Um, I'm I'm curious to see how much the Pelicans can improve defensively, especially since the challenge that the Thunder present is so unique that they could possibly play, you know, Paul George is a really big wing, like six nine six ten, so you can't really go with a small lineup because you need a small forward that has size. Then you can also play Carmelo at the 4, who is a very difficult um, guy to cover, especially if you're a bigger guy that doesn't, you know, I'm, I think that's going to be really fascinating, even though it's a preseason game, just to see how the Pelicans match up against those guys, because they present so many different things that you don't see any other team be able to bring to the floor.
1: I'm all for anything fascinating regarding a preseason <laughs> game, just so you
3: know. <laughs> um, yes,
1: because it was so much fun early on last night, kind of, you know, hey, new everything. Right. Here we right. go. And then the second half, I was like, this is hot garbage. Let's <laughs> move on. <laughs> right. So yeah, there's no, no doubt about that. Yeah. Um, again, the final last night, 113, 109, Bulls win it. Those two teams will see each other again on Sunday. Um, hey, by the way, you and Daniel, big big doings in Chicago. Saturday is the Chicago Marathon, which is like mm. one of the coolest days of the year in Chicago. Didn't, not didn't otherwise, just so much fun. Right. I right. went there huh. for that years and years ago. I did not run in it. <laughs> Although nobody here would could fact check that. I guess I could make that up. Anyway, have fun with that. that's really cool. Um, And Alvin Gentry, by the way, will be with us here in just a moment. We're going to listen to the entirety of his post-game presser. We'll address some of the things that Jim and I talked about and more in just a moment. In 1907, Dixie beer was a balanced, refreshing lager brewed with love and top quality ingredients. It would grow to become something that connected us. The neighborhood beer of every New Orleans neighborhood. And now, Dixie is back to that 1907 recipe, original and reinvented, just like its hometown. Visit DixieBeer.com to learn more, and always drink Dixie responsibly. Dixie Brewing Company, New Orleans, Louisiana.
0: If you don't want to miss out on any of the action, get connected with your New Orleans Pelicans 24-7, 365. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter for exclusive prizes and giveaways, Plus text with all the latest breaking news right on your phone with Pelicans mobile alerts. Visit pelicans.com for information on these great features. Plus sign up for Pelicans Insider with weekly updates from the Pelicans. Join the conversation today.
1: Follow us on Twitter at
0: Black Blue
1: Pelicans and Bulls last night at the Smoothie King Center again. The 113 109. Thanks to Jim Eichenhofer for stopping by. And as promised, let's uh, let you listen in to head coach Alvin Gentry's postgame presser at the Smoothie King Center last night. Coach, in a game where we saw a little bit of everything, what did you take away from the first preseason game?
0: Well, you know, I thought we got off to a good start. And, uh, you know, I thought we were playing with force and pushing the basketball, moving the basketball, and, you know, obviously getting some easy baskets here and there. But, I mean, realistically, we're not going to shoot 73% for the game. You know, that, that's understood. Uh, I thought that uh, we started uh, maybe dribbling, over-dribbling a little much in the second uh, quarter. Uh, got us in a little bit of trouble. Uh, we stopped, we stopped uh, making cuts, uh, which kind of slowed down the offense. And then I thought defensively, uh, our transition defense, uh, it, it wasn't very good. And we have to do a better job of getting everyone back, uh, so that we can pick up, we were scrambling too much uh, in our transition defense, really the the last three quarters, uh, as far as picking them up and uh, and, and having everybody set and uh, not scrambling around. So uh, it's an area where we got to get uh, better at that particular area, also, especially when they're running out. And then uh, uh, we got to do a little bit better job of guarding dribble penetration. I thought Don did a good job of kind of getting us on his hip or getting us on his back, and then taking the ball in and putting us in a real tough situation uh our big guys as far as helping and then leaving their big guys open or leaving the offensive board open
1: guys uh, in in some different roles than what we've known them for i know we've seen drew holiday play off the ball but the bulk of that coming tonight what did you see in his play and how he works alongside rajon rondo
0: oh i i, I thought he did a good job i thought drew did a good job uh you know, uh, it, this is all new stuff, you know, uh, as far as him playing off the ball and not being the primary ball handler. But, you know, he's going to be fine at it, you know. Uh, and and Rondo is still trying to, you know, he's trying to learn about our guys and where they want the ball and uh, the plays that we can call that he can call uh, on the fly to get the balls and uh, the ball to the guys in the, the position that they want it. So, uh, it's the first uh, preseason game and You know, like I said, I thought there were some good things that we can take from it, and there's also some things that obviously we got to work on.
2: This is kind of an example of how high this team can get in that first quarter, and then if things slow down in that third quarter, like, is this just sort of dichotomy of where this team can be? I
0: I was going to say, I think you're you're probably right there, uh, you know, Scott, in that we have to, uh, the big thing that we've got to establish is consistency. You know, like I said, it was a, it's a, it's it's a little bit crazy because, you know, we played so well the first quarter that, you know, I mean, 47 points is a lot of points to get in a quarter uh, in any situation, especially when you're walking out and you're playing your first uh, preseason game. So uh, we'd like to have something somewhere in the middle of that, and then we'd like to have something, you know, the last three quarters where we're uh, – Somewhere, I mean, we have to be a lot higher than we were in those quarters because I didn't think we played uh, the level that we would have to to win basketball games.
2: Coach, were you surprised that you played Anthony and Demarcus as much as you did? You, you said you wanted to play mid 20s, and they got over 30 minutes.
0: We got to get in shape, you know. So I wasn't going to play them very much the fourth quarter uh, if I was going to play them at all. So that's why I decided to to leave them in and and have them blow it out a little bit. And, and you know, like I said, we got. Basically three preseason games, so uh, we got to start getting our legs, basketball legs. So that's why they played. That's why I, I probably played Drew and Rondo a little more than I would like to, also. But you know, when I when I thought about it, and you know, and, and like I said, I wasn't going to play them in the fourth quarter. Uh, so you know, that's the reason that I think both of them played. You know, about thirty-two minutes or something. What do
1: you think about your rotational guys, Miller, Moore,
0: Diallo? What you see from them? Well, I think Chet is a young player, you know, and he's going to learn. I thought he did some good things also, got out and ran, had a couple of block shots. Uh, he's got to learn defensively, you know, the personnel in this league, you know, like a guy like Miritich and what he, you know, what he really likes to do and and uh, understand the concept of guarding a guy like that. But, you know, like I said, he's a young player and he, he'll learn that. But I thought his energy was there. Uh, you know, Darius, I thought, you know he's in a situation where he's trying to find himself and learn a system and adjust to a system. Uh, you know he's, he's he's had some very good practices and and had some good moments in the game tonight. He's another guy that you know it's just gonna to, to, he'll learn and he'll he'll figure it out.
2: Was it promising to see uh, how well AD and Demarcus played together in that first half while they were sharing the floor?
0: Yeah, but it doesn't surprise me. I think they've been playing that way, and what we've got to get them uh, doing is that. Uh, we have to make sure that we're we're in a, uh, a conditioning uh, uh, situation where we can continue to do that. You know, the second quarter, or when I take one of those guys out uh, and they're not in there together, then we got to still maintain the uh, offensive uh, attack mode that we've been in.
2: The ball slowing down so much in the third quarter. It seemed like there wasn't as much passing, wasn't as much tempo.
0: Yeah, I, yeah I, I thought we slowed down mainly because we weren't moving. We weren't cutting and we weren't moving, and they started to deny the, the basketball uh, on the swings. And that's when you have to have great back cuts with force, and you have to have uh, dribble handoffs and things like that. And I just thought we got a little stagnant in that. But that's something that we're going to have to take a look at and, and, and try to correct in the next, you know, in the next two weeks.
2: On defense. It seemed like there were times where guys didn't close out on shooters or maybe didn't pick the right guy to defend. Do you feel like they were vocal enough
0: on that end? Uh, it wasn't so much to talk. I, like I said, I thought our transition defense struggled. And because of that, we were always kind of, you know, chasing and trying to get caught up. Uh, we never really got back to the point where we were matched up and we, we could set our defense. So we were scrambling a lot. Uh, I thought we did a good job of talking, but. We can't talk when you're scrambling, and you playing a team like that. that got the good shooters that can space the floor, and so uh, you get yourself in trouble. Do
2: you count any of that for trying maybe too much an offensive rebounding edge? Is that part of it? Is that part of the equation of the
3: transition? No, I don't, so. I, I don't think
0: so. I don't think so because uh, uh, some of those was even on made baskets. So uh, you know, we just we just got on the rise of the shot. We just got to make sure that we're sprinting back because you know we're going to be playing teams. Uh, that runs a lot more than the Chicago team. So uh, you've got to get yourself back and get your defense set. But, but, but I was going to say, you know, that being said, I thought there was a lot of good things that came out of it. And, uh, you know, and, and I think at this stage right now, if we were playing perfect basketball, you know, I, you know, I don't know what you would do.
1: All right, more from Coach tomorrow night. On the Alvin Gentry Show, that will be on the radio 99.5 FM. That's WRNO, the flagship of the New Orleans Pelicans radio network. And uh, we will have that half-hour program for you, Daniel, at 6.30, 6.30 p.m. 30-minute show that will be all Pelicans and obviously an extensive visit with Alvin Gentry. We'll talk about the first preseason game a little bit more and then we will preview that first road trip. That uh, sees the Pelicans in Oklahoma City on Friday night and then in Chicago on Sunday. Uh, tomorrow also is Daniel Sallerson's birthday, and since there's no black and blue report, we wish him a very happy birthday. Life as he knows it is about to end, or at least his metabolism will change shortly. <laughs> happy 30th, Daniel. Yes. All right, thanks again to Sean Fazan today and Jamaican Hawker too. On Friday, Mike Triplett from ESPN.com stops by to talk Saints with us. We'll also check in with the folks up in Oklahoma City and get a preview of the Thunder. We plan on talking to Brett Dawson. And as we have told you before, who knows who will stop by here on this podcast. I'm Sean Kelly. Have a great rest of your Wednesday, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow night on the Alvin Gentry Show. and certainly back here on paper for another edition of the Black and Blue Report.